The Profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Thank you, Sam. That wonderful interview with Terry Waite. Well, another incredible profile coming up with the first ever million dollar sign in in the world of dance music. Kim Mazel. Now, we, we all know you for the, the big headline of being the first million dollar uh, house music uh, vocalist sign in. Sign in. Uh, but what do you consider to be your, your first big break yourself? Um, I guess really when I was studying at university and I decided to, um, to go, uh, entertainment management and music and all of that at Columbia in, uh, Chicago, their, um, their school, you were able to do internships mm-hmm. with just about everybody. So I got a chance to work with, uh, the Park West, which was a really nice venue on the south side of Chicago, north side of Chicago. And they had artists like Aretha Franklin, Prince, um, just everybody you can name. And I got to see up close, like at the sound checks and the rehearsals and work with them, go run and get chicken or whatever they needed. Mm -hmm. And I think that was for me an end because uh, people saw my energy. They knew that I wanted to sing and, um, from there, I started to get demo. Um. But what made you decide to do the university route? Because you you had the voice, you you know you had the talent. You could have just done. I'm just gonna make music and make music and get signed and make music. But you decided to do academia. Yeah, I never thought about just going straight into that. And well, one of the other reasons, of course, is M O T H E R mother. <laughs> <laughs> You won't be singing a note until you finish school. <laughs> and that means university and, you know, just in case the dream is like just that or, you know, because there was a lot of competition out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really um, have the best voice. There was loads of other, you know, voices out there that, you know, do vocal aerobics and all kind of things. So um, and and then there was another reason I kind of saw artists who like um, Billie Holiday and different other artists who, even though they worked a lot, they, for some reason, didn't have their ownership of catalogs or publishing and kind of lost a lot of their um, power. So I wanted to learn how to read a contract. I wanted to know what was the industry Mm -hmm. I was about to get in um, to, and I might have just liked going to school. (laughs) So so now, was your mother in agreement for you to go into music, or would she have preferred for you to go to university and um, study law or um, um, accountancy or politics? Politics is probably more like it because my mm-hmm. father was um, in politics and I was kind of supposed to come up and be like the state representative of the state. And uh, I was like, no, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that, you know. So um, I think my mom All you have want- to do is just smile like you do and kiss babies. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to know something about policies and something like that. But um, so, mother would have preferred for you to do politics, or I taught school for a little while too. I think she probably would have liked for me to do something easier. She said, "Why do you pick the hardest thing to do? Mm. Why do you always pick the hardest thing to do?" 
But um, but she saw I was very passionate about it, and I was, you know, learning background about the industry, taking entertainment law, you know, working within the field with people in the field who had been successful. Columbia gave me a lot of opportunities to see all genres because I worked um, at the Lyric Opera House as an intern, and I got to sing in the chorus with Pavarotti. So I did, like, lots of, you know, research and... Um, and then I just went in feet first. So, before we move to the to the star years, yeah, you know, which which have lasted so long for you, yeah. Um, what kept your passion alive? Because obviously, you your mother asked you, you know, why do you do it, and you you mentioned your passion. So I'm assuming it was your passion, yeah, that formed it. But once you got into the business and saw the cold reality of business i know a lot of people whose passions and yeah. you know a lot of people yeah. we know a lot of people's we know a lot passions of people. been quenched yeah. uh, how did you manage to keep keep that alive um i guess drive i guess i didn't want to um maybe not go back home with my <laughs> tail between my legs either but i think really i think what happened was god called me out in enough time where i didn't get bitter with the industry and and during that that process, I got to uh, build my faith in something else and be grounded. And um, I believe that he kept that for me for when it was time to come back. And I was willing to take the chance if it was still open, that'd be fine. And if it wasn't, wherever God would lead me would be fine. And I think, you know, that's kind of what happened because it was a lot of mishandling when you get into being an artist because you've got to trust somebody to take over your whole life even though you've got your own direction and your vision when you sign that uh, publishing management or music um, contract you've got to kind of conform underneath how the label sees you and wants to market you um, I was blessed as I was a first house music artist in a genre um, I was blessed and it was the best of times worst times really because at the same time they couldn't figure out what to do Dude. with an artist like that no. um i had adversity from america because i went to the pop division and as a black american artist you don't straight cross over you have to go through the black department and let them whatever drag you through the mud or whatever and then maybe you get to be crossed <laughs> over so me here i come thinking they'll be all happy straight away crossed over no now it, it's interesting you, you mentioned that because you just took me back to to the Sony years and you know the the, the black music department who was tasked breaking the the Fujis and the likes and and post that everyone thinks everything was wonderful but it was just such a struggle for yeah. for that team itself let alone the artists they're supposed to yeah. to represent but what what were some of the other things that you had to uh, struggles that you face because I know I know uh, the stories of of senior record execs uh, one that that we both are very senior one who yeah. who had clear ideas about how you should sell yourself uh, how you should use your body and and those those uh, those things you had to go up against yes tell us a bit about those well that's a battle because you know if you're a curvy girl whatever obviously they want to use the sex sales and whatever and they'd like to use you know that image if they can um of you um 
you know, for me, I, I would try to use dancers or whatever to just do the latest things that would get people, you know, enticed to watch or whatever. I just mm -hmm. really didn't see myself kind of going down the road of being a sex kid. I was just like... So didn't you, didn't you ever <clears throat> get so under pressure that you thought, you know what? I can't keep fighting these guys. Let me just, let me just, okay, guys, you can, yeah, you can have whatever. Let's just do the photo shoot. Did you ever get to that stage? And if you did, how did you bring yourself back to, to Kim? Oh, <laughs> I did get to that stage, and those photos are out there somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> then you you pull back from the industry. Yeah. And uh, you had a, a, a Jesus experience. I had an encounter. Yeah. Tell us about your your turning point, as it were, and this experience with with Christ. How did it happen? It happened right as Young Hearts Run Free had hit. And that was on a multi, multi platinum album on a mega, mega film, Romeo and Juliet. Mm. The world again was my oyster. And I finally heard God say, come out from among them and be ye separate. And I thought to myself, now? <laughs> you got to be joking at this moment, you know? Um, but it was so strong, and uh, but and it was said, so you do, you do soft. Pick the, the hardest parts. I you? know. I mean, you could have, you could have flown through everything, you know. Um, but I heard it then, mm -hmm. and when you hear it, it's nothing else. You can't ignore it, you know. I don't know how long it been calling me, and and I do remember a particular incident when I, and this is in hindsight, I received a call from a really big promoter in Italy to do tour all of Italy with that song. It had become number one, Young Hearts Run Free from Romeo and Juliet. And for some reason, when the call came, I couldn't hear the guy's voice. I couldn't understand what he was saying or offering me because I had already accepted from God, okay, now I'll, I'll step out and I'll follow you. Wow. So it was I couldn't hear anything else from when I said yes. But Let me ask, though, I mean, from the young girl who was being taken to church, falling asleep, and you know, all you want is ice cream, as we all do, uh, to this woman who hears God's voice and recognizes it, what was happening in between in between that? I mean, I know it's a long period of time, yeah. but what was, what was happening? Well, I was just living, you know, living, going to school. In terms of, in terms of God? What, oh, I, there, I didn't, no, I didn't, I, I don't know, I guess he's there all the time, as they say, but... I didn't really have a relationship. I didn't go to church. I didn't, you know, I was just, um, you know, just living a normal life, going to school, um, doing you what my mother said, sneaking out living, the window. No, you weren't living a normal life. You were, you were living the life of a star. I wasn't a star, like all the way in between being mm. a kid and, and up to Romeo and Juliet. I was a student. I was a teenage mom. Um, I, then I was a small business owner. I owned my own label. Um, you know, co-owned because Dwayne and Donnie would go, excuse me, miss, but you co-owned. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was it was a lot. And with the music industry, I mean, all you heard was music. I mean, you're doing the raves. I mean, it's the first beginning of house 
coming to the UK. So you got all that early stuff like, you know, the Hitman and Her with um, Pete Waterman and Michaela. You know, all of this fantastic stuff. Lunch with Princess Diana, you know, doing recording sessions with Mick Jagger, living with Chaka Khan. I mean, you know, just like unbelievable stuff you go just, like, just normal stuff that just you like do. you know yeah. um you know like stepmom to naomi campbell and kate moss when mm. they were young coming up all saints sort of like stage mom to lots of different young acts just we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about just, the naomi's of this world yeah a little, a little later but, but um i'm just, interested to know though i'm interested to know the moment when you heard god's voice what was it was it a, a song you heard was it uh someone's preach something to you or was it just uh, in, your, in your moment of reflection from the noise of the success of Young Hearts from Free was it a still small voice that you heard that you recognized to be God and realized I needed to come home yeah I'll probably have to say that it was a still small voice that sounded like it had been going round and round for the longest and I'd never heard it and one day I finally, it's like you feel it more than you hear it, you, you know, because there were two examples that happened. I met a lady just on the road in Fulham who was an evangelist. Her and her family came to, to do uh, evangelism in the UK. She was from my hometown. Three weeks later, another guy came to my house, unbeknownst to me, through um, a young tour manager I was working with, who was from my hometown as well to take me to church because I was really depressed. And he called this guy and said, there's someone here that you need to meet and he's going to come by. And it just so happened he was from my hometown, from a local church, knew my mother, and I went to church with them that night. And that was the second thing that happened. And and then I... Wow. So it was, yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, now, but what do I do? <laughs> wow. So, so you... Uh, uh, I remember at a point I would speak to you and you would be like, oh, I just got back from from France or what. And, you know, I was talking to Naomi about Jesus. And, you know, before we got to, to, to that, yeah. before you got to that, when you yourself made your commitment, how easy was it for you to now tell your circle of friends that, you know what, guys, my, this is my path now. And was it, did they accept it? easily or, or was it difficult for you? Well, it didn't really come like a sit down, hey, this is my path now. And I didn't really have like, you know, in show business, you, you have people that you are associates with or friends with. And because it's the industry, people are not always around. People are in different places. You may not see them for a while. And I think it was more my mannerisms mm. and the change in me that started to speak. I got so full that I couldn't be quiet. I mean, everywhere <laughs> I went, including uh, train. If I took a train or something, and I felt something, I'd have to stop. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't help it. It's just like, and I was like, you know what, sir? God has just told me to. So it was like that. I was just so full mm -hmm. that I couldn't be quiet, and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't always easy. I lost a lot of friends. I lost work. I lost a lot. I mean, I became a Christian in the UK, which I didn't know you're supposed to be quiet here about that. So, <laughs> now, now that so, you're, you're like, you're not supposed to be overly. Now, now that you're you're more mature in your journey, looking back at the younger Christian you, 
What would you say to the younger Christy you now, if you had the opportunity to talk back to Kim, how many years yeah. back who's just become a Christian? Oh gosh, it's been 15 now. So, um, I would say don't change a thing. I would say don't change a thing because when God said come out from among them, be separate, the other part I start to hear was, and learn of me. So I had to learn to live it. Mm -hmm. And with that, you know, there's a process. And by, you know, some of the maybe mistakes or some of the over-enthusiasm that I may have had, I learned. You know, and I learned that, you know, God told me to open my mouth and not to be afraid. So, yeah, some sometimes um, you might get chastised for being the one that opens up. But when you feel that glow and that goodness of the Lord, it just spills out. And you got to tell somebody. Because mm -hmm. when, you know, excuse me, but when I was smoking weed and I thought that was really, really good, I had to tell somebody, oh, you got to try this <laughs> weed. It's so good. <laughs> so I just. Here we get arrested. <laughs> sorry. And I just thought, well, God is even better than that. So I had to tell somebody, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it is, you know, you meet a boy and the guy and the relationship was so good or whatever. You had to tell somebody. You told your mom, I met somebody. So I met the Lord and I just couldn't. I couldn't keep it to myself. But now, so you, you lost friends who, who maybe couldn't understand. You lost, lost lost work because you didn't quite fit in. Yeah. Uh, how well did you fit in church? Because you were a ball of energy and, you know, not everyone could deal with yeah. that. Not even now can not anyone even now. deal with that. <laughs> so how was it on the church side? It was pretty much the same. Oh. I didn't fit in there either. I was just like... I was like, girl, you too much. It's like, oh, right, well, oh, okay. So, you know, it, it was a challenge. It was, you know, it's really a challenge, actually, because I didn't belong anywhere to know where to go. I didn't, you know, I couldn't run from any. Would you, what did you do with that? Because as a person, you're you're very loving, very open. You, you know, you love people around. You love to talk to people. You love to make people feel... So now you don't fit in here, you don't fit in there, you're in the middle. And I know, you know, you might, you would say God separated me to, you know, to that, work on me. But, you yeah. know, what do you do with that? I cry. <laughs> you cry and call, call home. And, you know, I just, I just, you know, I really just didn't understand. And sometimes even still now, I just go like, oh. So when you cry, who do you call? God. <laughs> I just call on God. I say, well, you know the language tears. So that's what I do. And um, when was the last time that happened? Not too long ago. <laughs> not too long ago. And you just, well, you know, you just shake it off. And, um, and you just keep trying. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the devil is a liar. So many lies of the enemy to try to maybe stop you from going here or there or saying something or to get you to change or to get you to shut up or, you know. So I just try to stay in line with the word of God and um, and be a light, you know, wherever I go. Mm -hmm. And just let him use me. And, and um, so far, so good. I mean, I use wisdom. <laughs> I'm not like beating on a big old bass drum <laughs> going uh, down the road like the Salvation Army or whatever. <laughs> but 
let's let's talk about some of the opportunities that you've had to share your faith, because I know there there are the people who are in, in the limelight who who you uh, you don't miss the opportunity to encourage them and tell yeah. them about Jesus. Yeah. I know definitely Naomi is one of them. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the opportunities that you that's come your way that you've been able to share this gospel? Oh my gosh, I've had the opportunity to share the gospel with members of the royal family in this country, in Sweden, uh, managers of big, big acts of people like, um, people who manage like and work with Beyonce. I've been able to talk to like um, DJs, some of the biggest DJs in the world, um, and just share my gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ and my walk. Because I believe that you have to live it. And people, your testimony is your life. Mm -hmm. And people just watch the way you live. And they, and they know, you know, and they know. And, they, and they'll ask me, well, Kim, how is it that you find peace at this moment? And that's, <laughs> there you go. So I got to do it. So Kim, how do you find whatever? And I just say, well, you know, it's been through Christ. And from I gave my life to Christ. And, you know, I'll give an example of whatever it is that the Holy Spirit put on my heart that time to speak to them about because um, usually the Holy Spirit knows something about that person I'm talking to and will give me a word to say to them, and I'm like, how do you know that I was, you know? And I use even my Facebook page, you know, sometimes arguments are going on there, but I just put a word up and, you know, people get watered and, you know, I started a church in Ibiza for a couple of years where, yeah, I did the gospel from midnight to three in the morning, I ran a church in a pub and they came, drank, smoked, and got born again. People did. Tell us more about videotapes and everything. What was it called? Church Ibiza? No, Kimazel's Gospel House. Nice. Yeah, Kimazel Gospel House. So So normal church service will be will be what? It was more like um like praise and worship, you know, like I'm trading my sorrows, um, you know, those kind of songs, Amazing Grace, um uh, lovely day, but switch for a gospel way, and I just uh, do like that and uh, minister to people. And I had a team that, if people needed prayer in between sets, they just come to the side, and it just definitely came as they were. <laughs> come as you are, and the you know the the guy who owned the the theater pub, um, I know it was God because. Um, when I made a call, I had a dream and I saw the place and I saw God was leading me to do this. And it was in beats. I said, I know where this place is. And when I called the gentleman, he said, I can't believe that you called because they had and they had um, talent in there from June to October, but they lost the act. And I said, well, I want to do uh, like a gospel night or afternoon on Sunday. And he said, uh, can you come from May to October? And I said, well, yeah, but we need to talk about, you know, apartments and this and that. And then I just started getting visions. And the place was open for me to come and, and do that. I brought artists and singers from the U.K. I brought evangelists with me from the U.K. to pray the place up and, mm. and um, you know, television crews. Because people couldn't believe that I was there. And he beats, you know, doing a church. It wasn't conventional, but, you know, it was like the church come to you. Now, when you look back, what are some of the, uh, the the stories or what we'll call testimonies that you remember of what God did back then that makes you think, wow, God, you're amazing. I mean, it's amazing not it's getting just, the place. It was just so amazing. There was uh, a young boy from, from, from the UK who came with a friend 
uh, and family uh, of a friend. And um, I was able to bring him in the kingdom. He sang background with me there for a while. And fast forward like five or six years later, he ran into Jazzy B, gave Jazzy the testimony that he had given his life to Christ because he had to leave England mm. for some knife crime or something that he was involved in. Um, people were trying to come after him because I guess he was trying to get on the straight and narrow and, and he, you know, sometimes you can get uh, interference. So he ended up on this trip out in Ibiza and came across my path and a couple of nights he came to the event and one night we were just talking and I said, would you like to give your life to Christ? And he gave his life to Christ right there. Um, I had an incident where um, another man who was um, an older guy who had worked in like a high position in one of the computer firms was having like nightmares and all of these different things. And I don't know how we got to talk, um, but he started coming to the event. And one day he wanted to take me out to lunch. And, 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 and Paula, um, Misha's sister, was with me. I had to come because I didn't know how to pray up the this place. This is Misha Paris. Sister, Misha yeah. Paris's sister. She came because I asked her to come the first week to pray up the place because I was like, I need one of them hallelujah sisters to come and pray <laughs> up the place with and me. She's an incredible and, singer and as well. She is. She? And yeah. she sang with me for a couple, she stayed with me for a week and we know we ministered. And this guy, she said, we need to take him to lunch, you know. So we went out to lunch with him and he was telling us a story about these dreams and nightmares that he was having and and at the end of, of, of lunch, we kind of asked him, would you like to give your life to Christ right now? And um, he said yes. And we took him and he beats it right by the water because we were at a restaurant near the sea. And we stood on the rocks. And, you know, we gave him, you know, um, I think it's Romans 8, the prayer in Romans 8. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, your sins, and that uh, he was raised on the third day. And we gave him that prayer. He, he said the prayer of, of forgiveness. And I'm telling you, when he when he gave his life to Christ, the sky opened. Uh, the sky opened on on that beach in Ibiza, and I just like I was like, oh my God, I'll never forget this in my life. And Paula told me that day. She said, somebody's been praying for this guy for a long, long, long time, and we just happen to be the ones who come here to bring him into the kingdom. So that gave me an example that all the time when you pray for people, minister to people, you may not be the one to bring them in. You may just be the waterer or you may just be, you know, starting that. But you don't always get to see the fruit of your labor when you're out on mission fields like that. So that was that was amazing. I had um, people come against me for having a church there. I had witches come to the church and try to stop the church from carrying on. And I had that. It was a lot of that um, on this island because it's, um, it's an island of pleasure. So, you know. Wow. So I had it was it was full on that first time. I I was so glad I had different people from London who knew how to pray and knew different things come out with me and say, Kim, pray some more, fast some more. So it was amazing. That was a profile interview with Kim Mazel in conjunction with Premier Christianity magazine. Visit us online for more. The profile. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. Well, 